0: Every one of these episodes is packed with timeless ideas you can apply to your own life, so you too can find your best work. In this conversation, Ben speaks to Tom Zertes, co-founder and CTO at Bodyswaps. Tom's career has been heavily influenced by his passion for both music and for video games. He describes how these shaped his early professional years and the convoluted journey that led Tom into the world of virtual reality. He discusses the choice between specialization and generalism that engineers face when they reach managerial seniority, and how personality type impacts a decision. Tom reflects on the way that happiness can be found in mitigating our innate urge towards control freakery, and how being yourself authentically around people who share our interests and values is the most effective way to grow our network.
1: How's music enabled your working journey, and what impact has music had on your career so far?
2: It's probably held it. It's probably held it back in <laughs> in many ways. It's I had, I had quite a few opportunities that maybe I, I I prioritize things differently. I guess actually, I think I think that's. I mean, you could look at you know, what does music give you. Um, I think cre- creating music and, for instance, development, they they do share quite a lot in common. Um, in some ways, they both require an abstract thought. They're creative. Um, they require problem solving. But obviously, they're in quite different sort of domains. You know, typically, you're trying to solve a problem with a computer program, whereas in a piece of music, it's it's a very interesting abstract form. Um, it's not. It's kind of storytelling, but it's not storytelling. It's 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 creating it's creating worlds within our with an audio field, which is with with sounds. Um, and it is one of the most interesting of the arts, uh, one that we just take for granted. Um, whereas, but I think there is something similar to that a feeling of, com- of creating things, you know, solving that problems. So how do I get that sound? How do I get this result on the screen? And, and a lot of the, the, the areas of computing I've worked in, I've, I've been in the creative uh, creative sectors. I've recently now started working in the education, which is what the current business Body Swatch does. Um, <clears throat> But for a lot of it you know video games i love video games because you know for me the video games was the ultimate ex- expression of multimedia arts and everything coming together it was game it is game rest well, it is it's, it's, it's an amazing industry it's game design it's um it's art it's animation it's sound design it's music it's storytelling it's logic it's using cutting edge compute you know, computing graphics artificial intelligence um and that's that's the kind of thing that i loved about it and i'm 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 uh, somewhat uh, shamelessly, a jack of all trades rather than an expert, and one, and I think that's one of the things that kind of really appealed to me. Um, and one of the things that's interesting for my job as a CTO, uh, certainly in the company that I'm in, which is a it's about 14 people in our company, so it's a small, very, still a very small company, but growing. Um, it's just about my role as transition of the the co-founder who built everything single-handedly at the beginning as the the, the technical founder to me then. Going off and hiring people and building up this company, and I'm sure a lot of uh, i mean you're you're founder of your, your company yeah, so you, you must you've been on this journey yourself yeah
1: it was fascinating hearing you talk about this the kind of, as you were talking about music and development it was like escapism to me. It was almost as if you're able to kind of solve problems in these these parallel universes that uh, you can escape to. Whether it's music or designing a
2: game, it's world world building essentially, isn't it? It's like mm. uh, games are much, very much about creating a, a, an imaginary world, and, and interestingly, in, in what we do in body swaps, you know, it's virtual reality, so it's, it's, it's education focused, but we're we're still building worlds in which you learn things, and you can practice, for instance, difficult conversations, uh, you know, soft soft skills, etc. So yeah, it is very much about sort of creating, creating, creating worlds, and it's interesting in my role, you know, creating like virtual environments. Uh, I remember sitting at one point, and it was in the middle of the COVID summer, summer of COVID. Number one, I've got, I've got, I just had a well, my wife was pregnant, etc. It was all pretty intense, and I was, I was sitting there trying to work out what color the carpet should be in this virtual lobby i was doing something and suddenly suddenly realized <laughs> i'm now an, i'm now an interior designer <laughs> which wasn't wasn't what i anticipated at the beginning of my career <laughs> to be doing but it just so happens that was one of the tasks i had to do i had to pick what does this room look like you know i started researching hotel lobbies you know picking out things so it's like and that's what i love about being in, in startups and, and being in these these smaller companies where. Because I've worked in big corporations as well. I've worked at Orange, I've worked at Sega. I've been a much smaller cog in a, a big organisation. One thing I like about startups is the diversity of tasks that you get given, especially to co-founder, because ultimately, you know, any job that no one else is qualified to do, you end up doing because you're the person who has to get it done. So um, you have to have that attitude. And that's that's when I hire. That's also one of the things that I look for in the people that we bring into organisation is, is, is that kind of attitude to just muck in and get get more their sleeves. Are there any
1: like particular skills that you've learned either by writing or playing music or by writing software that's then that's then kind of crossed into the other world and that's helped you in the in the other?
2: Yeah, there is I mean I, I again in the early stages I did the audio design uh, for our apps um, so clearly being able to be proficient with um, <clears throat> with audio editing software and recording and sorting things and, and you know there's there's some light music in it. so I wrote the music <laughs> you know so there was I've been able to bring that across there and then when I have a discussion now we have a we have an audio designer who's much better at this stuff than I am. Uh, I, I can have really detailed discussions with the audio designer about exactly what technology you're going to use for, that i can talk in a language that that's useful for them so yes it's in, in that regards it has been uh, been valuable.
1: and if if you were to take the kind of principles of problem solving is there anything are there any kind of ways of approaching problems or solving problems in music or any ways of writing code almost like a kind of like a framework with which you've used in each one that can kind of that's fallen into the other, other than obviously like the kind of the practicals the practical side to it?
2: Probably less so. I think I think obviously the one thing about making music is it's a very iterative process. Um, and as we know, software development is has, has yeah. become more iterative, though I would say it's
1: you don't it's come out cool. with like a great song straight away.
2: <laughs> no, you don't. You, you you work on it and you refine it. I don't know if we do that so much in software development. We don't often have for luxury. I know we talk about sort of agile development and stuff like that, but it's it's rare to have the opportunity to, to iterate a lot. You know, we, we might go back and refactor some code, um, and I guess that maybe that's 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 the nearest equivalent. So um, probably probably not so much overlap in terms of uh, in terms of that uh, music.
1: It's amazing how the it just makes me think of the word range, and how you couldn't, I guess, have known that both music and development would would come together in one project necessarily. Um, but yet they have, and I wonder how much of that is by accident, and how much of that is kind of you following your your inclinations, even if you're not consciously aware of it. That's that's kind of pulling you in between the in, in a, into a place that's between the two.
2: Yeah, I, I don't, uh, yeah, I probably wasn't conscious, I think. Um, yeah, it's, it's been, I mean, if you have, if you have experience in something or skill set, you, you tend to end up using it, as I say, and you know, because there's people, you gravitate towards it. And, um, you know, I, I was, I'm a, I'm probably giving away my age, but I'm a, I'm a child of the 80s. And, uh, you know, I, I, um, I started off programming when I was 10 years old. I started playing the piano when I was six years old. Um, so the, the two things have always been with me from a very young age. And um, <clears throat> certainly when I was a teenager, I was making software on my Commodore Amigo, um, going way back then, um, which yeah, you know, I'd, I'd write I'd write the music and I'd code it. And sometimes I'd do the graphics really, really badly. Um, and uh, yeah, it's just, it's just very natural thing for me. I've, I, I probably it's probably one of my weaknesses but I do tend to just <laughs> take a task and, and start doing it. Um, and often maybe I should I need to learn to to, to delegate a lot more. Uh, but that's because I've worked in organisations where you know with body swaps we've been going for about three years now. Before that, I had uh, my own agency for about five years. <clears throat> uh, and so but in both of those those environments, I've. It's sometimes been quicker to do it yourself rather than try and find someone, explain it to them, do the revisions, and um, and, and because I had the luxury of being reasonably competent at these other skill sets, I'm, I'm not an expert, but I'm reasonably competent enough to to pull it off for the level that I needed to do these things. Um, and now, as we grow as a company, and now as we get bigger, it's going to be it's more and more about finding the specialists who can do you it. Know, not just do a good enough job on that, but do an amazing job. Um, and, and that's that's how I find my, my role transitioning. I
1: still feel like the challenge is that even when you do specialised, you still then end up as a leader context switching a lot. So being able to have range still and a certain amount of jack-of-all-tradeness continues to help even when you kind of go through some of, some of that because you're constantly knitting different specializations together. And, um, I don't think I'm yet to meet someone who is running a company who's, or or in a leadership position of sorts, who is hype, so specialized that they only understand one thing as opposed to, I guess, where it influences around them.
2: Yeah. I think that's the decision that a lot of people come to and at some point in their career is, is you, you you get that point is <clears throat> do I specialize do I become a technical specialist or do I become a manager I don't know if managers are the right word, but ultimately mm-hmm. yeah do, do I do I go wide or do I go go narrow um and they both have uh, pros and cons and they really depend on you know if, you, if you're a specialist you can really dig deep into that one thing, you can become the expert at it. And if you're, you know, if, you've, if you're if you in the right market conditions, you can charge a lot of money for, for your, your your expertise and skills. Um, if the market changes and you're vulnerable because you are, um, you know, your specialism might not be so required so much. Um, and for certain personality types, you know, I guess, probably more introvert people, that's, that's, that's that can be a really natural, a happy place for them to be. Um, and then, you know, other people necessarily gravitate on, um, Towards you know maybe oh I want to have more responsibility more control for wider for more things but you, you have to let go of of you can't scale by right? you can't replicate yourself so so you have to cede control and you have to you you'll you ultimately lose some of your the technical expertise that got you to that point um, in your career and um, that's that's been the way it's gone for me and other people. Um, take take the, the, the more specialist and uh, that's uh, always, a, always a big step
1: up. What was it like when that came? Yeah, because I mean I would love to What when did that moment come for you and how did you navigate it? Because it sounds like since the beginning you love jumping into those problems and being a, a part of all of them um, and it must have been quite the, the moment to find yourself at that precipice
2: and have to make a call. Yeah, again, I guess th- I think these things kind of come by by op- opportune or chance, certainly. not For me, I'm trying to. I was just trying to think back as to when. I don't know if there was any particular mo- moment that it happens. I mean, I think I became like I started off as a sort of software engineer, and then I became a senior software engineer. This is a very typical thing. Then I became a lead programmer, um, <clears throat> and at some point I guess at an actual point that you know that's where you either become the lead programmer or you become you know the the kind of going to more project management side which I guess I kind of did' but with a gap in between in, in between the two um, and it wasn't really me mate necessarily making a conscious decision at the time I think an opportunity arose and that felt like the right decision to do and and for me I I think is also my the expression your eyes are bigger than your stomach it's um, <laughs> me me wanting to to get involved in everything it's kind of like an over-eagerness and um, so so it's natural for me to go oh yeah if I could just you know control this and you know if I could do this and do this and, and get involved in that and that's that's my just my personality so that's the generalist in me um, that that feels that urge and uh, that's that kind of happened you know a couple times and I think you often have to be know what your skills are as well, and so happen. You know, I am an introvert. I am a I'm a You know, I'm ultimately the the geek um, uh, child. But I'm I am relatively able to communicate, and I don't I don't mind communicating, and. Um, I'm quite happy to do the other tasks. I don't, I don't mind doing boring project management tasks, and I can write documents and and all, all that other skills that you need to, to do those jobs. So um, that it, it felt like a um, it didn't it didn't feel like a big sort of lurch for me. But I often look back on it and kind of <laughs> when, you know one day when I'm kind of. Doing some project management, looking at us, uh, some kind of Gantt table with a uh, thousand lines on it, and going, <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of scratching my head and going, you know, some of the moments I'm happiest is is refactoring a piece of code. <laughs> Maybe I should just be doing that all day. Um, but if I did that all day, I would not be able to start a company, and I want to start a company do I want to grow a company as well. So you, you you make trade-offs in life. You make you you have priorities, and you make decisions that set you down a path and it's like it's like having meeting your partner having a child you, you don't I, I think no one really very few people can really plan out their lives and, and kind of go oh, I'm going to do this this and this people might have an idea a lot of these things just happen and you kind of look back in it and you have closed some doors and you've opened new ones and um, I think you just have to kind of be philosophical about, about it and, and just make sure that you're kind of steering your, your ship in the right way you're like you know, am I happy? You know, maybe I can it. And I, I, I really believe in, you know, it's, if, if you have, if you have the attitude of, of kind of wanting to develop yourself and I, I see this, I, I see my role as constantly learning, you know, being a co-founder, being a founder of like running my own company, I explained to, you, it's basically like taking a job where you just get hit in the face multiple times a day and it's like it's about being slapped in the face and going, no you got that wrong no you got it wrong no it's not it's not a comfortable place but it's an it's an incredible learning journey and I, and I, I see careers as, as a way you know how can you how, you how can I keep learning you know when I'm 50 when I'm 60 you know like I, I want to still be able to, to learn and, and to explore things and that's that's I guess ultimately that's that's the driving factor for what I what motivates me I had this kind of expression when I started off which is like do interesting things and get paid for it that was, that was my, my my life uh, motto uh,
1: it's interesting that it kind of split into two as you're talking about it on the one hand there is uh skills that you need to understand in yourself you need to know what you are good at and often that's actually different to your own self-perception it does take a bit of time to understand it then there was also a second part to it which is like what you actually want like what's what's that th- like that thing that i want i know i want to start companies and i want to do that and and then it almost felt like the two were the two were potentially different and almost required different ways of like kind of understanding yourself and, and what you want to be
2: doing yeah i think there's there's, there's always there's, there's there's always conflicts and and um yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's complex. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think you ever know which or, what we t- or maybe it's just me. Maybe some people do. Yeah. I, 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 I quite often do yeah. feel conflicted about things that have happened or decisions I've made or things, decisions I have to make. And it's, that's, mm. that's part of life, I think.
1: How many of those doors that you go through are ones that you feel are deliberate there's almost a difference to me between reflecting on those doors and being like well like they kind of just happened and i wasn't aware of what was going on and now i look back and i'm trying to work out what happened whereas as opposed to being in the moment and making a kind of conscious decision to say okay like i i feel like i am in control of this decision like how much of them are deliberate to you
2: um i think it's been a mix i mean there's been a there's been a couple of cases like i mean once i was. The company I went—I was working at a games company—went bust. Um, everyone, everyone lost their job. Don't have much of a choice there. You don't have much of a choice <laughs> so. there. That's something just happened to you, and i, I wasn't thinking of ever leave, of leaving. I wasn't thinking about leaving that place at the time, and it was a good working environment. And, and you know, I'm still friends with lots of people who worked at that company, uh, including including the, uh, the, the my boss. And um, but that was something that has happened in my life, and. My at the time, what I decided was I'm going to take a break from because i have been just constantly working in the video games industry and I'm going to take a break and do my just concentrate on music and that happened. I did that you know for and then start contracting a little bit on the side and kind of did that for like a few years. Um, and uh, so I guess that was a less conscious decision, but a conscious decision that did happen. I, I was working uh, in research and development lab uh, for Orange and. I, been for about two and a half years, and I, again, it was it was an opportunity came along, and a, a friend of mine said, uh, who who runs, a, he used to run a, a successful um, studio, and said, "Hey, yo, we're thinking about this. We've got this project idea," and I was like, oh, "That's fantastic!" And I, I've, at that point, I, I, made a decision to leave a full time job at Orange, and I, I went, Do you know what? I've got I've come to an age. I'm ready to try this you know, this, this journey of entrepreneurship. I don't know where it's going to go. And um, how was I at the time? I was probably almost 40 at that point. It's quite, you know, it was, it was quite late on in your career. Um, and I, I stopped and, um, and, and and followed that. And it was a very conscious decision. And it was very stressful at the beginning. Um, certainly, like pretty much a lot of stuff changed in my life at that time. You know, a relationship ended. Job ended, security ended, and I was kind of pretty much on my own for like a, a good couple of years. And then, then picked up, and I, I went on this amazing journey for um, three or four years. Just started building up what I'm going to. I had no idea. So we, we tried basically we tried to do a Kickstarter to to create a, a new video game IP. And the Kickstarter was reasonably successful, but it didn't reach its target goals. So we in the end we didn't. Um, end up pursuing that. So I was left at the end of like, okay, what am I going to do next? I've quit my, quit my job. So I set up my my company at the time without actually knowing what my company was going to do, other than I was going to sell my, my skills. Um, and then I went on this amazing journey for three, four, three, four years where I just I started off like fixing some websites. And then I, um, and then a project came along where, um, with, with my friend's studio, where we built a virtual gallery and it's a, this in 2014. We 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 did a little bit on it which was used to the first Oculus VR headset when it was just a prototype. And and that that's what that moved me into the journey of setting up going, oh right, virtuality is something I'm really excited about. I'm gonna do, I'm gonna specialise in virtuality. I spent then the next three or four years building a business around creating virtuality software. Going along the way also of then finding myself in some space where it was nurturing digital artists, I ended up creating things that were displayed in the Barbican and sold in Mayfair galleries, <laughs> uh, which was which was really bizarre. Going on a strange journey. Talking at trade shows, I I went from being like just a developer to then going on stage giving presentations at trade shows. Came around that company yeah, being an employer, sorry, employer, uh, yeah, an employer for the first time. You know, running and that, build that and then the opportunity pivot came again where it was kind of like an agency and then we I met my current co-founders who had a different journey but were in the same space and then we joined together to create body swaps about almost three years ago now and um, because we wanted to create a product and we saw an opportunity around training and virtual reality that hadn't really been exploited and now we spent the three three years we've now gone through two investment rounds. We've now you know fourteen people. Um, the challenge is building a product company as opposed to an agency, um, and you know I can I can I can look at there are other inflection points in my life where I, I remember like when I was quite young early when I was offered a CTO ship um, in Brighton. I was based in London because I wanted to do music. And I, well, why do I want to go to Brighton? You know, there is, there's all the cool stuff's happening in London, so nah, I'm not going to get not going to take that. And that company went on to be a very uh, Famous um, video games company, which I could have been like one of the directors of. So that was a that was an opportunity I turned down. And uh, sometimes I think, well, maybe I should have done that. But I wouldn't have gone on that amazing journey of of just on all these different hats, and that that excited me. And that and um, it hasn't always been, it hasn't necessarily been the financially sensible decision, or necessarily the career sensible, sensible decision. But it's just enriched my life and different ways and uh, and i hope whatever happens next with body swaps or the next thing that i, I can continue to do that for a, as long as possible
1: it really does sound like you're following your nose
2: yeah very much yeah i, I, it, I mean it is i mean it's, it's, it's not it's not like i just I, I stress about decisions quite a lot you know i'm I really agonize about making decisions. I'm dreadful at procrastination. So I don't want to get the idea that I'm this brave person who just goes off and, and does stuff. That is, not, that is not me at all. I, I stress. I procrastinate. I do all the things that everyone else does. But I guess the circumstances allow me to you know, just push a little bit. Just take a little bit of a risk. You know, Go on, Tom. Push yourself off that little bit of comfort. Go into this space. How do you feel? Okay, this is interesting. Maybe I will go in that direction. And I, I do, I do, I, I do try and plan ahead. Is you know, it's, it's I, I am aware of the dangers of going down particular routes. You know, what always think about what this business fails? What am I going to do next? What transferable skills do I have? You know, I, I do I do consider all that stuff um, too. But um, it's just so happened that uh, yeah, I've I've been on this kind of wiggly, wiggly waggly journey. Um, and I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't regret, really, any of the decisions. Apart from not buying a flat in Shoreditch when I first looked in tw- uh-huh. <laughs> two thousand. Said <something>. everyone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> For now, it's, be worth a like, million pounds. <laughs> Your,
1: you're, the way that you ex- explain it sounds like you're living not just in a mind that feels like it's on its own but that you're a part of this like wider system the way that you were like okay yeah go into this place now see what it's like i look around work out which direction i want to go and then move it's like it's almost as if you are continually discovering things as you go on to the point where if we sat in a in a, a kind of in a in a place and just thought tried to think through like exactly where we want to get to and like work out how to get there and Uh, but by the time that we'd worked it out like you you're so far away from the thing that you're trying to do that actually if you'd just taken a few steps forward got there figured out where to go and then carried on it's these kind of constant little loops it almost feels like like little steps that like i guess they're the dots that you can't connect looking forwards but you can connect looking backwards that you're kind of almost experimenting with over time
2: well, it stops you getting disappointed, doesn't it? I guess if you start your life, and go, I'm going I, to work at Google and then I'm going to become vice president. And then I'm going like, to, you're setting yourself up for uh, potential disappointment um, just because you don't know what's along the way. And That's, and- so,
1: that's so interesting. Yeah, because your happiness is, you're, you're always aligning your work with your expectations, which is, and if happiness is the difference between... Expectation. Our expectations in reality then <laughs> yeah. you're you're just hacking your own career happiness
2: yeah uh, I, I so. it's it's good it's good to have aspirations I'm not, I'm not saying it's it's you know it's goals are important and mm. and uh, i said i think sense of direction it, I don't, I don't, we're getting a bit philosophical now but if if you know do we really have any control in life you know if you see what events are happening around the world right now you know i i feel incredibly powerless in, in many ways around climate, political events, war, I don't know, there's going to be a war in Taiwan next. So I haven't checked the news today. Um, so we, we we like to give ourselves a sense of that we're somehow in control. We're never really in control, are we? And um, a lot of times, control is an illusion. I don't think as developers, necessarily, giving developers, we necessarily like that because we like to be in control. And we're, we're trying to solve a particular problem. And if, if your program doesn't act in a way that you uh, feel in a controlled manner, you get very frustrated very quickly. But yeah, people like to feel like they have some control of their life. So it's good to plan. It's good to have a sense of your direction you're going for, but it's clearly, it's, um, it's it's prudent to to take each step forward. You, you know, a journey is made of many steps. It's, and also if you, you're too fixated on the end. Um, As I say, it's sort of going <laughs> to dreadful cliche, potentially, but you're going to miss out on a beautiful journey, yeah. Um, and you need to take time to, <laughs> you need to take time to look around, which um, I'm always very
1: like. It Does sound like a lot of the way that you approach it does start with this core belief that there are things happening outside of your control. If if you're taking one step, getting there, looking around, or if you're being a jack of all trades or you're you're almost kind of doing all of that with this awareness that there's things that are happening around you and to you that are outside of your control but it is then quite interesting that you choose to do work that is so specific that is problem solving that does kind of create worlds that are more controlled
2: yeah, maybe that's a deep yearning to actually have control over something. <laughs> I suspect I am. there's there a bit of control, control freakery about my personality. I suspect um, I'm definitely not as as fair as some of my um, my friends. Um, <clears throat> but I think, yeah, that's that's not that's not too uncommon. Yeah, I, I would. I, I, I'm going to try and um, not psychoanalyze myself too much, <laughs> uh, and no. What advantages are there to being,
1: to what advantages are there to accepting that things are outside of your control?
2: Well, I think uh, <clears throat> uh, it's just kind of uh, what advantages are there? I guess you can be quite. It's just kind of peace of mind, ultimately. Is this, a, is this stoicism or something?
1: Make yourself feel yeah,
2: the Like, yeah, make, make make yourself a leaf and yeah, air um, I think I, I'm I'm a pragmatist. Pragmatist. I'm not a dreamer. Um, yeah, maybe, maybe maybe it is as, as as simple as don't don't get your hopes up too high, Tom, because <laughs> you might get disappointed. Maybe I'm just afraid of getting disappointed. See, I am psychoanalyzing myself now. This is this is dreadful. Yeah, the, but I think there is that aspect of, you know, yeah, set set your expectations and, and your, your happiness is, um, is, is expectations minus the reality. And uh, maybe it's just a very pragmatic decision that um, you guys you know, set your goals. Yeah, ha- have have dreams, but, but set manageable goals. I mean, I think we're programmed also in a way to, you know, you, if you look at this in terms of, you know, how we work and, and generally how we, we need... We need something to work towards, um, but we need tangible successes quite frequently to make us feel satisfied, don't we? Like, oh, it might be as simple as like, oh, I got that task done today, brilliant. I got this great piece of feedback from uh, uh, from another staff member or a client or whatever. Tick, you know. Uh, those we need those little idea that sense that we're progressing. Because otherwise, it does get very frustrating, doesn't it? Um, And we we know because if like you know, there's what seven eight billion of us on the planet, and everyone has dreams and aspirations, and ninety nine percent of those will never be realised. So, you know, yet we can still live live hopefully lives that are have have happiness, and they will have tragedy, and. uh, but we'll find that we'll find meaning meaning hopefully through whatever it takes in you know, that changes per person i find meaning through mostly through work uh, now also through family um and other, other people take more meaning from 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 their friends and, and society and their, their or, or status um so yeah everyone has their own path i'm rambling
1: <laughs> There's also a part to it where it almost feels like it's the truth like I guess i'm i'm kind of like i'm i don't know like that what's that pencil thing it's like there's no one on earth who knows how to make a pencil or something it's like it's this as if no one person could go and make that you would have no one could go and chop wood no one could go and like get the lead or whatever and like i'm wearing like i'm talking to you through a piece of software that i didn't make and a microphone i've got absolutely no idea how this thing's working inside and it's like actually i just that to for me to think that i'm in control what's happening when i don't (laughs) i have no idea about how any how any of it is actually working just seems like that i mean that really would be ludicrous like i'd be completely deluding myself like i genuinely don't have any control over over what's happening there and as much as I would like to think that I do, I don't.
2: Well, we're certainly interconnected. And I guess, <laughs> I know these, these these interviews or chats are, I guess, vaguely based around uh, um, your, your, the, your business uh, of, of recruitment. Um, but I think, yeah, we are very much interconnected. And, uh, and one thing that I've realized is super important um, is, is, is your network. And the network of people, so, so we're, we're connected through technologies. And fat we, you know, that I eat every day is is, is is the food got to me is an amazing chain of people involved to provide the energy and gas and food and process it and everything. But when it comes down to purely, you know, professional uh, development, um, I would say you know like your network is is so valuable. Um, it's the most effective way of or finding your next job, it's the most effective way of finding your next customer. Um, and if I was to give advice to anyone, this really to nurture that network. And I, I i don't nurture my network as well as I should do, mostly because my, my head's so buried in the day-to-day things that have to be done in the business. Uh, but every, every so often I kind of go, I really, really got to work on my network. Um, because I've seen, I've seen that it's 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 your number one resource, and and feeding into that network is then you know how do you treat people, how do people feel about you once you've when you've had a transaction with them, even if it's just a light transaction, because that's where all that's where like ninety percent of your opportunities will come from. You know, what kind of what kind of employee were you? Uh, you know, did people get along with you? Because they will recommend you. Like when I, when that company went bust. The, my I am my next job came through the, the boss of the company who just lost his company, but now said, "Oh, I like to work with Tom. Hey, come along! Do you want to try this?" And, and that open that opens the door. And if I if I'd been really like disgruntled and like because I lost like five, equivalent of like four or five months' salary in that in that um, you know, that bust, so I could have been really nah, you well, need well, well, you know, blah blah blah. But it wasn't, you know, it was, you know, and now being a business owner, I can totally appreciate how hard that process of him losing his business must have been. But we've, you know, we have a relationship to this, to them, we're not mates, but, you know, we're, we have a relationship and those, and everyone you touch becomes a potential opportunity in the future. So um, I think that, that's what might it's kind of interesting about little platforms like the ones that Quart you know, has, where you're, where you're kind of connecting people. Um, what might be interesting in your business actually and I don't know how West works is like what can you do with networks after people being recruited how can you how can you leverage that you know can you can you create community because I, I learned I about Cord, um through there's a very interesting um slack group amazon run they kind of have a cto fellowship um i've to join that and then it was just a resource I was like posting i need to hire some developers and a few people recommended chord TriCord and we hired a developer at Free Court. Um but it's really yeah, it really reinforces, you know, that person to person network.
0: Hmm.
1: It's 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 all it's I think it's about access to opportunities, isn't it? And I guess if you were to ask the question why should you build a network? <laughs> it's because If, I mean, talent might be infinitely distributed, but opportunities aren't, and you have to go out of your way in order to expose yourself to a network of, I guess, not just people either, but ideas and um, events and places. Um, There's a brilliant talk by Bill Gurley, who talks about, it's called Running Down a Dream, and it's how he, He studied Bob Dylan and the guy who started Shake Shack and how the the key to their success was actually just moving themselves to the epicenter of wherever it was that they needed to be. And in some ways that, that is networking. It's just putting yourself in the place with which, like, everything around you is it's like it's like atoms kind of firing off against each other and like randomly splurting it's like well, you just what would you do in order to get as much exposure and touch points to all the stuff that's happening around you well you would go and do it and networking to me is like i think it's got this bad connotation because it's like relationships snarky smooth and you think oh my god i don't want to go and do that whereas if if instead it was like okay why am i networking like what or what what am i actually not not the snarly stuff like what am i actually doing what you're really doing is just putting yourself in a in a room full of stuff that might help you out over time and if, if you can get over the kind of uh the way that you want to network and get get out of the i guess the way that you perceive networking to be then it is just that you're
2: putting yourself in front of opportunities somehow yeah and i think it's finding the kind of ways of networking because you're right i mean you've touched a good point like if you perceive it as um, going to a networking event and kind of like <laughs> sitting awkwardly in a in a, in a room i don't you know i'm not i'm I'm not the most uh, extroverted person, so I don't find that particularly comfortable being in a room full of strangers and, you know, going up and say, hello, you know, and trying to say yourself. I mean, I think uh, I, I have I have done it and I do it grudgingly, but um, some people are really good at that. And, and kudos to them. Um, but I think for a lot of people, certainly in, in my industry, I kind of my role. That's, that's not your favourite way of doing it. But being in an interest group, you know, um, I've... I've met like, my, my best friend. Like, my best friend I met through like, uh, it was a Harvard sponsored uh, entrepreneurship and just happened to be sitting, standing next to him. <laughs> and I just started chatting and he was just like, oh yeah, this is boring, should go out and have a beer? And then, you know, like 10 years later, he's, he's my best mate. Um, so yeah, and, and, and all, to, all sorts of things. That, so it's, it's about, you know, you, and the internet's great at kind of being able to connect people that you wouldn't necessarily meet. Um, I think face-to-face is, is you still can't replace, replace it. If you can physically get yourself in with a group of people, it's kind of, it's really much harder to do now. Um, and and yeah, it doesn't, I think just be yourself, you know, you don't, you don't have to necessarily pretend to be something you're not, just find your community, find the community of people who, who who are interested and share, you know, set, interested in the same things as you, or have similar values in there. Um, and similarly, like, you know, in your professional, your professional life is think, just just be nice to people, <laughs> it's, it's, you, know, you, know, you, you, you don't always get that. Surprisingly, you know, a, few, you know, a few people are paying attention or just being sincere. You know, you remember people who are like honest and nice and sincere in, in interaction with you. As to some some person where you just feel a little bit you know you can be yeah did not quite feel genuine or that person's trying a bit too hard or that person's just rude or you know just awkward um, and you, you know you'll know that you'll go out of your way to avoid that person um, but if you you know even if you have an interaction with someone that you, you know there's that transactional element in, in an interaction it might not be that that, that transaction makes sense now there might be a transaction Two, three years down the line, you just you don't you can't anticipate that. So, um, just uh, yeah, be nice to people. And, and go go out and go out and uh, expose yourself to people who have like what you're doing or passionate about what you are. Or you know, just, I think it's certainly since COVID and since social networks, it's it's been much more tempting for people to kind of cocoon themselves a bit more. You know,
1: I, I, I still think all that, all that other stuff is super valuable. And as it's it, it, whatever can kind of get you to the truest root of yourself. It's like public speaking, it's like the biggest biff or tip I, I think people get when when it comes to public speaking is what just figure out what your kind of earth is here. Like, what is it that's the way that you want to do it? Like, do you do you want to be planned? Do you want to do it improv? Do you want to do it half and half? Do you want to be on hard seating? Do you want to be on soft seating? Do you want to sit down? Do you want to stand up? Do you want to use your hands? Do you want to not? Like it's, what do you want to wear? How do you want to, like, it's all about like, how do you connect with the kind of communication that you you want to share? Then the other part to it feels like, you know, like you're only, it's like if you've got a dog, it's like you've all of a sudden got a reason to talk to everyone and everyone's got a reason to talk to you. It's like if you had some kind of f- fake animal on the end of a lead, people just wouldn't talk to you. They'd be like, "But whatever reason, if that people do talk to you, if you have a dog." Same with interest groups. Like you, you have you're not actually talking about each other. You're talking about the interest, which then almost like takes this sting out of networking. Where if it's just about me and you, and we're all, we know we're here just to actually connect with each other, then almost like the social awkwardness of that interaction is just impalatable to to some people.
2: Mm. Yeah, that's a good segue. Actually, the, the product that we're developing next at Body Swaps is, uh, is a public speaking. So it's actually we're developing a whole range of modules on how to speak within meetings or in, in public forums. Um, and so that's quite interesting. So I'm, I'm, we have learning designers who design, design that content, but um, it's really quite interesting from, for us to kind of explore. That's actually what you're saying. One, one of the modules is called your Authent- Your Authentic Voice. Uh, it's really about not necessarily trying to be someone else or who you think you should be but um, finding like yeah then how you want to communicate in a particular case and then on top of that we provide you like all the practical skills how to use your voice how to make eye contact um, how to build your confidence and you know virtuality we can simulate all those environments uh, that you can practice in a safe space um, and we use like you know artificial intelligence to analyze what you said and how you say it and to give you give you uh, personalised feedback. So, um, so yeah, it's a, it's a super, super interesting, interesting area. And I think that's some of the nice things about the sort of, um, I mean, I've been talking quite a lot about, you know, <laughs> a bit philosophical about, you know, soft skills, but yeah, you know, to take it round full circle, you know, that's, that's what, as that's body swaps, that's, that's what we, we do for people. We provide, you know, soft skills training um, so you can practise those conversations in, in in a safe space, and that's it's been a very very different kind of from what I imagined I would be doing when I started my career making games uh, twenty years ago. Do you like the way I brought everything back together to, to the beginning? There,
1: incredible. Thanks so much for sharing it. And I, it's so refreshing to to go through a working journey and someone's experience that has like has in equal measure the desire to step forward and move forward and uh be deliberate but at the same time recognize all of the happenstance and the interdependentness um and uh i've loved
2: it catch you later see you take it easy bye
1: best work podcast is produced by the team at cord i'd love your advice on how we can make sure the best work podcast is having a profound impact on the way we all pursue our best work email me at BennettCord.co. you can also find a transcript of this conversation insightful video content and more at cord.co slash insights thanks for listening